Father, thanks for the great privilege to be in a room to talk about the subject of what it means uh, to follow you and to be a dad. And for every one of us, we're on a different journey with that, where we are. And so, Father, I pray that you would change our hearts today and that you would change our hearts through the next five weeks. We need you to do that. We can't make that happen. We can't do enough study. We can't do enough stuff to get you to change our heart, which is what we all need. And so, Lord, would you do that? And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, well, one of the things I want to do is just address up front is that I know in a room this size with this many people that there are folks here um, that are on a journey of faith. No matter, you may be disinterested in who Jesus Christ is. You may be a fully devoted follower of Christ. We just want to tell you real quickly, wherever you are on that journey, we're thrilled that you're in this room learning how to be a better dad. Just want you to know that, that we're thrilled you're here. We hope that as you interact around the scripture, as you interact around the guys in your groups and stuff, that you'll want to ask questions about who Jesus Christ is and what a relationship with, with, with him, what that means and what that looks like. And man, that's the greatest conversation we could have with you. But you need to know, regardless of where you are, that we want you here and we think that you're going to learn for some principle, great principles for being a dad. So I just want to get that off the table and let you guys know that we are thrilled uh, that you're here. Let me tell you why I want to do this. And, and this is really personal for me. Um, when I was 15 years old, I came from a family, grew up, went to WT White High School just down the road, grew up in a family that from the outside looked incredible. I mean, everybody thought we were the model family. This family across the street, parents fought like cats and dogs, and I thought they were the most unhealthy family ever. My parents never said a cross word to each other. They also never said any kind of intimate word to each other. And so 17 years after they were married, I was 15. My dad walked into the room one night and he just said, he said, hey, I don't love your mom anymore and I'm out. And over the course of the last two or three months, he was trying to figure out what he was going to do. And he decided to leave and I never saw him again. So three years later, four years later, he was out working on a a house uh, out on some land that he and his new wife had built, and he had a heart attack at the age of 47 and passed away. And so this is personal for me, because the last however many years that is, since I was 15 years old, I've been battling this ghost. And it's it's just this. I never had anybody during those years to tell me, hey, you're a man Let me tell you how to treat a woman. Let me tell you how to stand strong in the face of a culture that's trying to pull you down to different places. And so this is personal for me. So if I can help guys walk through this, and I am thrilled to tell you that at the age of 15, through that whole event, I I decided to be a Christ follower during that time. And, And God has done amazing things in my life in that area. But I still battle at times this ghost of insecurity And one of the reasons I do that is because I didn't have a dad that was consistently saying to me the things that a dad needs to say to his kids to help him be a man or to help his daughter to be a woman. And so it's personal for me. It's also personal for me here at the church. My job at Watermark is the family ministry director. And our mission statement, okay, is to partner with parents to raise the next generation of courageous Christian leaders. I just don't want to, I don't want to be a part of partnering with people just to raise good moral kids. Okay, I want to be a part, I want to be a partner with people who want to raise folks who are going to grow up to be 
Christ followers that are going to be serious about that mission in their life. And so that's one of the reasons that we're doing this. And so as we were thinking about this whole family ministry thing, we thought, what's the best way to do that? Hands down, I had eight people in a room when we were talking about just vision and all that kind of stuff. If you can get the dads moving, okay, you're going to change the church, you're going to change your community, you're going to change your family. And so that's really what we are doing here. Um, I just want you to know... Um, Another thing that just kind of has messed with me is I thought for a long time, and this has changed in the last five years, I thought for a long time that if I was a good guy, I followed Christ, that my kids were going to get discipled by osmosis. It was just going to kind of happen because we went to church, because I was a good guy, because of all those kinds of things. And I want to tell you, that is not true. The culture is too strong these days if you are not intentional with your kids. And so another vision for family ministry and for this class is that we would create this culture, this movement of intentionality with our kids. And when I say that, don't hear this, oh, I've got to spend two hours a day preparing for dinner so that I've got this great devotional ready to go at dinner tonight, right? Don't hear me say that. Intentionality means maybe taking one minute on the way home to say, hey, what conversation can I have with my kids at dinner tonight? Something I learned today. If I was reading the Bible earlier today, what did I pick up? And it's a five-minute conversation. But I want this culture of intentionality just to kind of take over us, take over Watermark, then my ultimate dream is that FCAs and public schools and all those people would be coming to Watermark to us to say, help us train our kids in ways that can transform a community. So, so that's the dream, and that's why we're doing this class. Two things before we jump into Deuteronomy chapter 6. One, I know guys are all over the age spectrum here. Some guys hey, are older, have already released their kids okay, into college and beyond, and you may be looking back and saying, oh my gosh, I have not done anything that Kyle and these other guys taught over the course of the last five weeks, and I'm feeling guilty as anything. Two things. It's never too late, never, to be a dad. The role changes, but it's never too late to go back to your kids and say, hey, I blew it when you were six, seven, ten, fifteen, whatever. But I want to be a good dad for you now, whatever that role is, whatever age you are. That's the first thing. Here's the best news of all. God's grace covers a multitude of parenting mistakes. Okay, so I just I want you to live with that in your brain. We're going to talk about stuff, and you're going to hear some stories over the course of the next five weeks. You are going to blow it. I am going to blow it. Just because I'm sitting up here on this stage doesn't mean... My family is singing Kumbaya every night at home. Okay? Friday night, my youngest daughter, Kendall, unloaded on my wife. Okay, 14 years old. I have twins that are 16 and a 14-year-old girl. And she just unloaded on my wife. Disrespectful, bad tone, all that kind of stuff. And I knew that's God just getting me ready for the dad's class. Right? And so we have all the conversations. We talk about that. I had an extra phone for three days. Right? And so... And... And so it's, it's a journey we are all trying to learn. And so that's the process. So again, I don't care where you are in your parenting journey. Now we just want you, wherever you are, we want you to grow and make progress. And we want to partner and help you do that. Okay? 
Perfect. All right, we're going to do that these five weeks. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to talk about just commitment today. Commit. What I mean by that is commit to doing it the way the Scriptures say. Okay, we're going to talk about that today. Next week, we're going to talk about what does it mean to lead and lead authentically. I would say that's the most important thing you can do in your home is be an authentic leader. Week three, Todd's going to teach. He is, in my opinion, the guy that does this better than anybody I know. At training his kids using impromptu moments, lessons he's learned during the day. When I made him mad at work, he goes home and says, let me tell you what Kegler did to me today. And they talk about that. Right? And he just uses those things in order to train his kids. The fourth week, John McGee's going to talk, come up and talk about how do you initiate. It's the biggest thing going on with dads not right now is passivity. Is that we, are, we come home after a hard day of work, we've given a ton of energy to people and our jobs and all that kind of stuff, and we want to come home and check out. How do you push through that and initiate? And then the last week, we're going to talk about release. And I don't just mean release your kids to college. I mean when your kids are two, three, four, five. How do you release your kids to love and impact? Impact other people. And why is that important? From the earliest ages you can, all the studies show that if your kids are out serving others at an early age, that is a, has a profound impact on their growth, discipleship, and maturity. And so we're going to talk about how do you do that, how, how does that work. Dean McFarland and Mac McFarland are going to be up, and we're going to do a little interview where they're going to talk about, from Mac's perspective, what Dad did great and what he didn't do so well. And, and Dean's going to talk about what he did well and how he responded to a son who had kind of what, what they call a prodigal window in his life, and how did they work through that. Okay, well, if you brought your Bibles, great. If you didn't, we're going to have uh, the slides up on the overhead. And we are going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you know anything about the Bible, if you don't, it's great. We're thrilled you're here. When you're thinking about parenting, being a dad, this is the place that you start. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. Okay, And if you're a guy who loves to memorize Scripture, I would challenge us all to do this. But this is a great passage for you to memorize when you think about parenting. And it breaks out really nicely. And so we're going to answer the four questions here in the next 10 or 15 minutes. Why do we teach our kids? What do we teach our kids? In 6, 6, how do we teach them? And then in Deuteronomy 6, 7 through 9, when we teach. So just, just so you guys know where we're going, that's what we're going to answer. That's what Deuteronomy 6 does for us. It just gives us a pattern for how to raise kids that love God. And so we're going to jump in. So before we do, Deuteronomy, just to give you a little bit of context, this is Moses' last shot at the people of Israel. He's got three, three million people about to move into the promised land. And he gets a chance, and he does, I think, seven sermons in the book of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy 6, this is one of those sermons, and he says, Hey, I don't get to go with you, so let me give you some instructions on how I want you to establish a brand new culture In this promised land. So here are the things that you need to do to establish a great culture of God followers. And that's what he does in Deuteronomy. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 6 specifically, he talks about parenting and how important that is. And here's what it says. It says, now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me, has commanded Moses to teach you, which is the three million people that you might do them critical statement. 
that you might do them. Not that you just listen to them, hear them, but that you might do them in the land where you are going over to, to possess it. So that. So here we go. Do these things so that. Okay, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statues and his commandments, which I commanded you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Okay, we're going to look in just a second about what Old Testament blessing means. That's one thing. Long life, when you think about blessing in the Old Testament, was one of the three things that symbolized blessing from the Lord was long life. Okay, next slide. O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it. It is all these commandments and statutes that I've talked to you about. That it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly. Second thing in the Old Testament that signifies blessing. Okay, long life. Okay, and what I say to make it work, little ones. I've got to make the L's work. Okay, so basically descendants. Okay, so long life, descendants. Okay, and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, long life, little ones, and land. Okay, in the Old Testament, okay, that's what blessing looked like. So basically, in Deuteronomy 6, Moses is saying, if you will do these things that God has commanded you, when you go into the land, you are going to be blessed. That's what he says. Now, I'm an Oral Roberts University guy. That's where I went to school. Okay, so every time I say the word blessed, I've got to explain. Okay, so they, uh, we raised the first weekend I was there at ORU. They had us raise our wallets and touch them and do all that kind of stuff to bless the financials. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, the Lord may choose you to bless financially. Fine. Okay, but when he talks about blessing, he's talking about peace. Okay, and I want to tell you, okay, there is not always peace in my house. But I can say, I have been a guy who, not perfectly, but with all my heart, has wanted to follow the Lord for the last 20 or 25 years. And I would say, not perfectly, hear me loud and clear. Remember Kendall, Friday night? Okay, but that our house is characterized by peace. Not perfectly, there's flare-ups, there's all that kind of stuff, but... I'm just giving you a personal example that if, if you do, if you follow the ways of God, okay, blessing and peace come. It doesn't mean that your wife won't get cancer. It doesn't mean that your kid won't break a leg. It doesn't mean that that stuff's not going to happen. But what is characterized around your home is peace. And so that's what Moses is saying right here in Deuteronomy 6. So why do we do it? Why do we teach? Number one, it's a commandment. Okay? God has just said, teach your kids the commandments of God. Just like any other commandment. Love your wife. Right? Spend time with me. All those things that he talks about, it's, it's a commandment. Let's do this. Let's look at John 14. Throw that John 14 passage up, Tom, if you would. Look at this. John 14, 21. So now we're in the New Testament. Okay, and this is the Apostle John, and he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. So we're back to God's commandments, doing them. Okay, And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will disclose myself to him. A lot of us are on a journey wanting to know Jesus Christ better. 
And this scripture tells us how to do that. Okay, That if you will follow my commandments, that Jesus will disclose himself to you. There will be deeper intimacy with Christ if you obey his commandments. So Old Testament, long life, little ones, land. New Testament, intimacy with Christ and peace. And so that's why we teach, because it's commanded and because of the blessing, proper definition of blessing, okay, because of the blessing that comes in your house. So I just want you guys, as we talk about commit today, that's why I want you to commit. That's why the first week is commit. That if you'll commit to raising your kids according to the Scripture, you will be blessed. Right? Your house will be characterized by peace. Don't hear me say name it and claim it. Okay? Because I am not. Okay? Hear me say characterized by peace. All right? Let's go on. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Right here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. This is the Shema in Israel. It is the thing like we have in the United States. You know how Americans are all about independence. And so we celebrate it on July 4th. We decorate in red, white, and blue. We do fireworks. We do parties. We do cookouts. We do all that kind of stuff. That's the rallying cry of the Americans. Okay, the U.S., this is, was the rallying cry, is the rallying cry of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. He's one. Love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So this is telling us, okay, what we teach our kids. And the answer for us is full devotion. We teach our kids to be fully devoted to God. And I love that statement because it, caps, it captures the heart. It's why we, our mission statement at Watermark is calling all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Here's the convicting part. Most of us, and one of the things I hope that you do today or tonight or when you're in your car, a lot of us want our kids to be just enough of a Christian so that they're moral and they're a good kid. And we just give them enough Christianity, enough of the Bible to inoculate them to full devotion. And so I really want you to spend some time thinking about that. Is what are we giving our kids? Okay, are we teaching them love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? So that's what we teach. How we teach. 6-6 in Deuteronomy. These words, all these words that Moses has just spoken, which I am commanding you today, shall be on whose heart? Your heart. He's talking to the people of Israel, the three million people that are there. These commandments have got to be on your heart before you can transfer them to your children and your grandchildren and their grandchildren. So, principle we're going to talk about the whole time last next week. It starts with you. If these things aren't on your heart and your life's not changing, okay, then this is not going to work. And so here's what I want to tell you. The most important thing that your kids can see as they're growing up in your house is your life being transformed. It's the most important thing they can see as they grow up and you want them to be fully devoted followers of Christ. So they need to know that in 2010, 
Dad was, 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 or in 2011, dad was less angry than he was in 2010. They need to know in my house that I struggle with food. I love food. It's an idol in my life. Okay, love it. Okay, all good things happen around food from my perspective. My kids need to see me being more disciplined, okay, in my food choices, in my health choices, in my workout. Am I better in 2011 than I was in 2010? I don't care what it is. If it's an addiction that you have, if you're here at re-engage, if you're here at celebrate recovery, I love it because you know what? Your kids are seeing what you're doing. Hey, I have a problem. Okay, and, and I'm going to the Lord and through this thing called re- regeneration or um, re-engage to get help. And so what they see is a, a marriage that's a mess. They see mom and dad fighting like crazy. And in 2011, it's a little more peaceful. So they need to see your transformation. It's the most important thing that they can see as we go through this. And lastly... When do we teach? When, when, how do we do it? When do we do it? You shall teach them diligently to your sons and to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Okay? Dinner time. Right? Sit in your house. That's when that happens mostly. Okay? When you walk by the way, when you're traveling, they didn't have cars back in those days, but we can make that inference right now in the cars when we're traveling. When you lie down, we go to bed. When you rise up in the morning, And you shall bind them as a sign on your head, meaning the commandments. You shall bind them as a sign on your head. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so let me tell you the picture that Moses was trying to give to the Israelites as he was trying to create a new culture in a new land. He was saying the way that they were transient people, right? They were living in tents and things like that. He's basically saying, hey, when when your child goes to Aunt Sue's tent down the road here, I want them to get godliness. When they go to Grandma Paul, Grandpa Paul's, whatever it is, I want them to get godliness. Whatever tent they run into, that's what I want for them. I want that to happen. So he's saying, when do you train? When you're traveling, when you're sitting down, when you're rising up, when you're going to bed. And so the answer, two answers to that. One, Consistent, teachable moments take advantage of the moments that you have. A lot of times around here when we hear folks are struggling, whether it's marriage, whether it's addictive type stuff, all that kind of stuff, I'll go home and I'll sit my girls down and I'll just kind of say, hey, no, I don't use any names, but let me tell you what happened. And let me tell you why this happened. See, I live with this constant, I hope it's a healthy fear, Okay, that I am one bad decision away from blowing everything I have. My job, my ministry, my marriage, being a dad, that if one night at 1.30 in the morning when everybody else is asleep and I flip to the wrong channel, that's the top of the slide. Okay, And if I come back two nights later and I flip to that channel again, and it's downhill from there. And so I live with this healthy fear. I think that I'm one bad decision away. My kids are one bad decision away from the same thing. My girls right now, thank the Lord, are doing well as a general rule. Okay? My, one of my girls, two of my girls, three of my girls could be pregnant and on drugs in two weeks. 
And so what I'm telling you is we've got to teach intentionally to our kids. Consistent, teachable moments. And then plan sometimes that are organized, structured, planned. What are the things that you want to teach your kids? So I've got three years left with my twins. 36 months. So I just told them a couple of weeks ago, I just said, hey, once a month, we're going to sit down for however, 30 minutes or whatever, and we're going to talk about these topics. And I'm just going to make sure that you understand why the Bible is reliable. And I want you to be able to go into a class, a UT, UT biology class, and respectfully challenge the authority of the teacher if they start talking about something that's not biblical. And so we're going to start talking about, hey, are you ready? Do you want to go? And that's no guarantee. Okay, there are no guarantees in the parenting business. You may do everything right, and your kids may be an absolute mess. It's crazy. All right, let's look at this chart real quick. We're going to wrap up here in the next couple of minutes. All right, this, I would have given anything if I had this 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Okay, I've seen some guys at the office kind of have it pinned up on their clipboard and stuff like that. This is Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7, just in a chart form. Okay, what am I thinking about around mealtime, around drive time, around bedtime, around morning time? In the morning, I'm encouraging, I'm the coach, have a great day, all that kind of stuff. At bedtime, I'm a counselor. So one of the things Kendall and I did for years was I'd just lay in her bed when it was time to go to bed, and we'd just talk. We'd just visit. Maybe seven, eight, nine minutes. We played games. We did different things. But it was, it was that counselor role. Drive time. You're just a friend. You're just talking about life. How was school? How was practice? And then mealtime. And, and that's what I said at the beginning. I just said, spend 30 seconds or 60 seconds on your way to the dinner table thinking about, hey, what can I talk about with my kids? How... Can I be intentional? So use this chart. It's really, really helpful. And guys, that's what Deuteronomy 6 says. It just tells us how to do this parenting thing. What to do, how to do it, when to do it, why to do it. All of those things. So y'all are going to get some great time in your groups to talk about Deuteronomy 6. You're going to get some great time to get to know each other a little bit. Every single week that you come here, I am going to give you one thing to do Okay, for next week. So that when you come back to your small group next week, I want you to have that conversation. So here it is. How many of your wives are going to ask you, how was the dad's Bible study? How many? Right? How was the dad? You're going to hear about that. Okay? That is the opening you've been waiting for. Okay? And so I don't care if you say it was terrible. It was horrible. I was miserable throughout the whole thing. I don't care if you say that it was great. What I care about is you say, hey, can we take 15 or 20 minutes and let me talk with you about what they talked about at class one of the dad's class today. I want to make sure you and I are on the same page as we think about parenting. So can I take out the chart, take out Deuteronomy 6, this is what we teach, this is why we teach, this is when we teach, and then get her to help you. You lead your family, but just say, hey, I'm going to come home at times, I'm going to be so dead, i got nothing. Okay? Would you think about what we might talk about at dinner and lead that conversation? But get on the same page. That's it. 15 minutes with your wife talking about are we on the same page around raising our kids and Deuteronomy 6. That's it. That's all you got. One thing. 
And then, maybe there's two things, okay? And then, also in your notebook is the homework for next week. So the way we kind of plan this thing out is if you'll spend an hour or so, an hour to an hour and a half over the next seven days, okay, and just spend some time looking at the passages uh, in 1 Kings and Deuteronomy, we're going to look at Solomon's life and the integrity of a leader, and we're going to take that apart like we've taken apart in Deuteronomy 6 today. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for these guys. Appreciate the fact that they sacrificed being here early. Father, in order to learn more about what you say about being a dad, would you change our lives today? In Jesus' name, amen.